0: Welcome to another inspiring message from John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse six. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Let's pray. We thank You, Jesus, that You are the gift of Christmas. As we devote this month to lifting up Your Name and who You are, I pray that You would just anoint Your Word, Your Name, Your character, Your truth, that, Lord, You would illuminate something in every life this morning and that we would leave this building your Word says that when you are lifted up, you will draw all men. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In the name of Jesus is healing and freedom and forgiveness. And as we declare You, Lord, over this service, we pray that Your name will be exalted. We bind every thought that would try and distract us. We limit, Lord, every influence of the enemy, and we just declare a great spirit of life and freedom in Your presence. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. We've decided to spend this month here at Arise Church devoted to the Name of Jesus. This amazing prophecy has got to be one of the most significant prophecies in all of the Bible, devoted to the topic of Jesus. For to us, a child is born and to us, a son is given. The Son of God given to us. The Bible goes on and says, that His name shall be called. And as we prepared this series, in fact, one night one day I was on an aeroplane flying from one place to another and really praying about the next season of rise. and this thought of this series came into my mind and the verse that came to me was this verse, as the thought comes, His name shall be called. That not only do we have the name of Jesus, but we have the names that help us to understand the magnificent gift of Jesus. And here the Bible says His name shall be called. In other words, the greater that you and I understand who Jesus is, the more power His name is gonna have in our lives. Yeah. We understand that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. That in the name of Jesus, hell trembles. That in the name of Jesus is healing and freedom and forgiveness. And the Bible describes for us that, in, that His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father. I couldn't move beyond this one simple phrase, Prince of Peace. What an amazing thought to know at Christmas time that when Jesus comes to our lives, He comes to us as the Prince of Peace. This week we're reading our newspapers. I don't, I don't know if you have, but I, I check stuff every morning. I don't order the newspaper and so I I check stuff every morning and up this morning, it came maybe Wednesday or Thursday this week that Prince William and Kate had this week gone to Cambridge. I thought, what's so significant about that? And so I read the article and discovered that on his wedding day, Prince William was made the Lord of Cambridge. And so after maybe 18 months of marriage, he's finally found the time to go to the city of Cambridge to see those who are under his lordship those subjects of His, that He is literally the Prince of Cambridge. And you and I serve the Prince of Peace. Under His domain, under His rulership, He is the Prince of Peace. Our majestic Saviour rules over peace. He is peace, He presides over peace. He taught his disciples in Luke chapter 10 verse 5 that when they entered a house, that the first thing they were to do in, in Luke 10, 5, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. He taught his disciples to speak peace over every place that they entered. Because his dominion, his reign, his influence is one of peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17 says he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. Is there anything that any adult searches more intently for than for peace? I I don't know, but I think children don't think they want peace. They just want action. Adolescents, teenagers just want their lives to be filled with action. But the truth is that the more life matures, the more we come more in touch with an aching desire that is within every heart, every child, every adolescent, and certainly at the top of the list of every adult, is the search for peace. For every parent, five minutes of peace. As I was preparing for the service, I kept thinking about that movie Date Night where it talks of you know the the, the talking this mother is saying the, the husband asks, you know, do you ever fantasize about having an affair? And she says, No. I, I do sometimes just fantasize about a hotel room to myself <laughs> with with no children and a cold can of diet Pepsi, you know. And every parent probably at some stage in their parenthood has had the same fantasy as you're just thinking about five minutes of peace. We we wanna live at peace. Our goal is to be at peace. When people die, we really know what the ultimate aspiration is in life. When we talk to someone who has passed away and we say they are now at peace. So we find really that at the centre of everything that we want in life is this desire for peace. You know, in the scriptures, apart from the kings and their sons called princes, there are only two princes described in the Bible. And we have our majestic savior, who is the prince of peace, and we have the one described in Ephesians 2, verse 2, that says, The prince of the power of the air, who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The same one described in John 12:31, the prince of, of this world. So we have the Prince of this world and we have the Prince of peace, our Jesus. And we also have the Prince of this world. To understand this is to understand that our need for peace begins, not with the Prince of peace, but with the Prince of this world. You and I live in a world where sin has entered. That as a result of Adam and Eve in the garden, sin came into this world and because of that sin, we no longer have the immediate access to peace that God desires for us. Because of sin in our world, we experience hostility, division, because sin is something that God hates. With the entrance of sin into our world comes a destructive influence that tears us apart, that ruins our peace, that creates anxiety and turmoil. In the life of people, we live so often with the absence of peace. There is a hostility that exists in the universe between the God of the universe and sin in our lives. God doesn't hate people, but He despises sin despises sin because when sin is in the lives of people, it causes destruction. Destruction at the very core of who we are, destruction to our relationships, destruction of God's eternal plan. It leads us to eternal separation from God. We talked about that only a few weeks ago in church. And as a result of sin, we experience so much wrong in our world. And so with sin comes into this world division and hostility and the reason why it is in this world is because there is a prince of this world. The prince of the power of the kingdom of the air the Bible talks about. An influence that is in our lives that robs us of peace, robs us of God's plan and destroys our very fabric of life. But we understand that our amazing God came into this world not to leave us with this conundrum, but to come to our world and to fix our problem. Jesus came to this world because there was hostility, because we live in turmoil. Jesus came to this world so that you and I would have an answer to the problems that are in our lives because we live with hostility. Zacchaeus knew what it was like to live with an inner hostility. Can you imagine making your living out of ripping off the lives of other people, increasing in wealth while others were literally taking legitimate funds from them to prop up your own bank balance. And so the tax collector really made his wealth by skimming off the top of people's taxes, benefiting himself, pushing down others, exploiting the title of Rome. And we have Zacchaeus, the tax collector, living with an inner turmoil, knowing that what he is doing is wrong. Can you imagine the woman caught in adultery who came to Jesus, not voluntarily, but thrust there, thrown there, literally pushed and delivered to Jesus, really in a sense, in a a courtship fashion, thrown like a courtroom on front of Jesus' feet, All the disciples, sorry, all the Pharisees gathered around as the courtroom of the day, saying this woman was caught in adultery and the law of Moses says that we should stone her, literally carrying the stones of judgment in their hands. You don't need two better examples than the rich tax collector who has made his wealth by exploiting others, and the woman who has found love in all the wrong places both encountering Jesus in the middle of their problems. And the Bible says that when Zacchaeus was found by Jesus, that Jesus didn't speak over his life a word of judgment or a word of hostility. But He said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, today I must come to your house. He spoke to the woman who was caught in adultery and said, Woman, where are they who condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin and from the rich tax collector to the woman distressed through her own wrongdoing, we find from the beginning to the end that Jesus comes to lives not to add to turmoil, not to heap on blame. Jesus didn't come to this world so that you and I could live forever in an awareness of the hostility that exists between God and the sin that is in our lives. But Jesus came to show us that there is a God who despite our shortcomings, cares for us. That in spite of our inadequacies, still wants to do us good. How great Prince of Peace reveals to us this morning, church, that no matter what our lives might be like this morning, in whatever service we are gathered, that Jesus comes to our world to bridge the gap between our shortcomings and the perfection of our God. We all know what it's like to have a standard we have to measure up to and to feel that somehow we come short and to know that that division, that that shortcoming reveals to us a feeling that things are not the way they should be. And in the gap between us and the perfection of our God, we find the Prince of Peace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it literally says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Come on, give that Jesus who broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility who through His life and sacrifice has made it possible for us to have peace with God. Romans 5 verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. That Jesus is our peace. And because of Jesus, our Prince of Peace, We have peace with God. I don't know if you've ever stopped to consider the magnitude of influence that that has on the way that you and I live our lives to know that we have been made right with God. This is what Zacchaeus discovered. He discovered a God who wasn't holding over him a sentence of judgment, but instead a Prince of Peace who said, no matter what you might have done in your life, you can have peace with God. To his surprise, To his amazement, he thought he would have found a God who judged him, so he hung back and climbed a tree. But instead of finding judgment, he found a God of forgiveness, a God who broke down hostility, who removed a barrier. See, when Jesus came, He removed the barrier between the state of God and the state of man. He stepped into our problem to deliver us from it. He gave us peace with God. Can you imagine being a woman in the time of Jesus, a woman in the time of Jesus, being caught in the act of adultery and finding in the face of a religious leader, not condemnation or shame or fear, but instead the absence of condemnation, the removal of guilt, the promise of tomorrow, Man, you've heard it so often, you can lose it. Through Jesus, we have peace with God. The miracle of our Prince of Peace should fill our lives every day with a feeling of gratefulness, with a feeling of joy. See, friends, what we're really saying is Jesus as our Prince of Peace means that God comes to us, not as our adversary, but as our ally. That Jesus comes to us in our lives, not saying, wow, you've done so much that is worthy of blame. But instead, man, I come to your life to help you with the problem that you have. You can have peace with God because Jesus is not your adversary. He is your ally. Oh man, this is amazing because if He is my ally who purchased me freedom and forgiveness, if I have peace with God, then man, it changes the way I think about my world, my life, my relationships, because if He is my ally for eternal salvation, then He is my ally every day. God isn't looking at you, He isn't looking at me with anger in His heart. We have a Prince of Peace. You are under the Lordship of peace. Um, How amazing, in our our church is the celebration of communion. We hold in our hands a cup and we drink it. When kings made allegiances, they would share together a chalice, pass a chalice of wine from one to the other, signifying as they both drank from the same cup their newfound allegiance, partnership, the entrance into their two kingdoms of peace. And how amazing is communion knowing that every Sunday that you and I or every time that you and I receive of two emblems in our hands. We hold in our hands, not emblems of judgment or of condemnation or of guilt or of shame, but we hold in our hand emblems representing our majestic Prince of Peace that we are drinking to ourselves and allegiance with the sacrifice of Jesus who promised us that we would have peace with God. If Jesus comes through my life simply to offer me peace with God, He is worthy of the title Prince of Peace. If it is only for my eternal salvation, the fact that I have peace with God, that He is called my Prince of Peace, then my friends, He is worthy of that title. In every center you're hearing me preach, if you believe that, then say yes this morning. But how amazing is it to read and it's gonna come up on screens, I hope, In every service this morning, John 14, 27, where Jesus promised in one simple declaration two forms of peace. He said, peace I leave with you and peace I give to you. When I read that verse in preparation for the sermon, I was struck by the simple thought, what does Jesus mean when He says, peace I leave with you and peace I give to you? And I began to realise that in the reading of Jesus' words and in the reading of the New Testament, we find not only the promise of, uh, sorry, Romans chapter five, verse one, that through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, but also numerous references in the New Testament to the peace of God. See, church, I want you to understand that Jesus is worthy of the title simply, that He is our Prince of Peace because we have peace with Him. But not only that, there is a continual promise all throughout the Bible of not only peace with God, but the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4, verse six, coming up on your screens, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. What an amazing thing to discover that not only do we have peace with God, but church, we can experience in our lives, our daily lives, every day, the peace of God. That our great Prince of Peace not only brings His reign to our eternity, but He wishes to bring His reign into our daily lives. I'm so encouraged by that because there is a Prince of this world who every day, every day, I don't need to preach about this much because there are many people hearing it. There's people in Christchurch suffered lofts and earthquakes, people in Wellington, perhaps going through relational difficulties, somebody in the Capitol Coast believing for a child to come back to the Lord, somebody in Hamilton that's really just hoping to find enough joy to get through the day. And at the end of the day, we all know what it's like to live in a world that has turmoil, confusion, suffering, and fear. The Bible says that the kingdom of our God is not fear, but a sound mind, that in Jesus, we have not received a spirit of slaveship, we have not received a spirit of fear, but we have received a spirit by which we can cry out and find a sense of peace that in Jesus, in His kingdom, He wants to fill us with faith and hope and He wants to fill our lives every day with peace. See friends, I want you to understand this morning that peace with God might be for my spirit, but the peace of God is for my soul. He is my Prince of Peace because I have peace with God which helps with my eternal life, but I can know the peace of God which helps with my emotional life. I find peace with God when I welcome Jesus into my life and I find the peace of God when I welcome Jesus into my daily life. See, if you read this passage again in Philippians chapter four, it literally says you don't need to be anxious about anything. You don't need to be. You don't need to be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, offer your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will come and bring a guard into your life, your heart and into your mind. Your soul will be guarded in the peace of God by literally saying through prayer, petition, with thanksgiving. In other words, when you receive Jesus into your life, you have peace with God. And when you bring every situation of your life to God through prayer and thanksgiving, you invite God into every situation of your life and not only have the peace of God, but sorry, the peace with God, but the peace of God. That I can go through every day of my life with peace with God. What an amazing thing that is to discover and to know that He is our Prince of Peace, that He brings to our lives, not just hope and peace for eternity, but peace for today. See, the peace of God, our Prince of Peace, wants to help us with every decision that would trouble us. He offers us peace. Every defining decision you've gotta make, He is your Prince of Peace. We bring our requests to Him and offer them to Him and He brings to our lives peace for doubts that would disturb you, questions that remain unanswered, that the gap between our problem and our comprehension, the peace of God that transcends. How much sorrow comes into people's lives just simply by trying to figure out what they can't really figure out. Faith dies on why and thrives on yes. He's my Prince of Peace. You asked of me, yes. He is our Prince of Peace who helps us with the devil's lives that would -defeat, defeat or deter us. They come into our minds And no matter whether we've got a a decision, a doubt, or a lie, we can come to Jesus and find His peace. How blessed we are in New Zealand to live in a country that has no war. Have you ever stopped to consider just how awesome it is to live in a nation that is not in war? I mean, with the internet today and with worldwide news, you can quickly just You know, every morning find out about most conflicts on earth, I guess, or certainly the newsworthy ones, whatever the news team decides is newsworthy, I guess, or whatever we want to read about. But around the world today are thousands of places that are filled with literal war, conflict, hostility is the rule of law for so many millions of people's lives on this planet. And whenever war enters into a culture, I, I know this by watching you know, the news, by looking at documentaries, by talking with people in our own church who have moved here from war-torn nations. The reality is that you can build the greatest house you want, but if somebody bombs it down, if you build a business only to have the people who are using your business move on to escape some kind of conflict, have dreams and hopes for the future, and then to experience conflict in the immediacy of your world. The reality is when there is war in your world, then survival becomes the only goal. And really moving beyond tomorrow is something that you might hope for, might wish for, but all you're really doing is trying to tread water until the conflict is over. And the same thing that robs people of the ability to build their homes and their lives and their families and their futures is the same thing that will do it in their own soul and spirit when we live with conflict on the inside. There are people in this room and hearing my voice who literally God has put His hand upon your life for something amazing. But if the war in your soul is not brought to an end, not brought under the Lordship of the Prince of Peace, then your dreams go on hold and your future is paused and you can't build the hopes and dreams and prosperity of soul and life that God has for you. And what amazing it is to know we not only have peace with God, but we have the peace of God. The peace of God that comes to me in my storm that quiets my soul, that breathes into my fears, that peace of God, that's His insecurity, that limits me. You will be gone from my life. I don't have to strive in order to get forward in life. There is no conflict, but God graciously gives me every good gift. It's not my own doing, but His hand upon my life. And we come to rejoice in our great Prince of Peace, whose name is Jesus. I have peace with God and it is appropriated by faith for my salvation. That's how I have peace with God. When I have faith in Him and say, Jesus, You are enough for my eternity. I receive Jesus into my life when I simply say, Jesus, You are enough and because of You, I have peace with God. And by faith, I appropriate Your peace for salvation. But my friends, it goes beyond that. It's not just a faith in God that will give you access into eternity when you die. The peace of God is available, not just for your salvation, but for your current situation. That God offers us peace in every day of our lives, every incident, every setback, every trial. We can have access to the peace of God in every incident of your world. How amazing is it in John chapter 20, verse 19, where we find the disciples after Jesus has been crucified, unaware of His resurrection, huddled in a room, the Bible says, because of fear for the Jews. And through the walls of the room comes Jesus Himself, standing before His disciples and proclaiming, peace to you. See, friends, I want you to know that it doesn't matter what prison is trying to hold us back. What would try to arrest us? What would try to limit us? The Name of Jesus in your life is a declaration of the Prince of Peace. He comes to open every door of fear, to set every captive free, to release the prison cells. He came to declare that there is no reason for hiding in fear in our lives any day longer. We have the peace of God as the umpire of our lives, as the rule of our situation. Oh, when, when the peace of God begins to work its way into my life, it changes everything. It frees me from a feeling that I need to live my life hoping that somehow I can make it through on my own. But I begin to realise that the Jesus who said, peace I leave with you and peace I give to you, I will never leave you alone, never leave you nor forsake you. I might feel alone in my room. I might have the door locked for fear of whatever it is. And there are a lot of literal rooms and there are a lot of figurative rooms. A lot of people who are hiding in rooms of their own independence, hiding in rooms of their own wealth, their own worth, their own accomplishments, to know that Jesus is not locked out of the room of my life. And every day He is hoping that people would just let Him in with a declaration of peace. You can let Jesus into whatever you are facing can find Him present, find Him able to help, find Him wanting to move in whatever situation it is that we face. I believe that all over this room this morning, somebody just came to church today needing to know that you can have peace with God and you can have the peace of God, that He can come to your world and make an eternal difference. And Mark chapter four is an amazing story of Jesus crossing a lake in the middle of the night. And the Bible tells us that as they were setting off on their journey, that there arose a great storm. Isn't it incredible to know that Jesus ordered the journey? See, somebody in this world just needs, in this room, somebody hearing me in Capity, somebody in Hamilton, just needs to know this morning that just because there is a storm, it doesn't mean you're not doing what God wanted you to do. Jesus told His disciples, cross to the other side of the lake and in the middle of their journey, in the middle of their night, there arose a storm. And there arise storms for all of us. Storms that come to us in situations, storms that come to us in the way of difficulties, storms that come to us in the way of events that we did not predict. And it's so easy in the middle of the storm, to find the same attitude as the disciples who asked of Jesus, don't you, don't you care that we're gonna drown? And I reckon this is why this message is so very powerful for whoever needs to hear it is simply to know that Jesus is not an adversary, He's an ally. What kind of God would die on a cross for you and then say every day of your life, it's up to you. You ever sponsored anybody into anything? You know, ever gifted a scholarship? Ever ever given somebody a present that they couldn't buy for themselves? Maybe some in this room have. And the run real reality is you, you give the present without strings attached, yes. But on the flip side, you're watching to see how the present manifests itself in their life. And the God who gave you eternal life didn't then say, well, great, you can go to heaven when you die, but the rest, pal, it's up to you. And when you're going through hardship, it's up to you. He's not uncaring. The God of the universe said, not only can you have peace with me, you can have the peace of God in every situation of your life. In the middle of their storm, in the middle of their trial, in the middle of their hardship. These disciples think that God has forgotten their name, that He's left them alone, that He doesn't care about what they're facing. They literally ask Him the question, don't you care that we are going to drown? But they found in the middle of the night that there is a Prince of Peace that was with them in the boat, and with them in the storm, and with you in your trial, and with you when it's good, and with you when it's bad, every day of your life, every difficulty that you face. Oh my friends, you need to know that He is with you, that there is a Prince of Peace, that there is a Peace of God. Oh my friends, He can speak peace to every storm you're going through, can help me no matter what I face. And when you cry out to Him, have you ever thought why was Jesus asleep? (laughs) Do you want to know why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This will help you. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The storm does not deter His peace. See, what are you facing today? The storm does not deter His peace. He is the prince of peace. He reigns over peace. When that connects with my mind, it changes me because I start to realise You know, I refer often to the stage in my journey where Jillian and I were confronted with the fact that we had a leaky home. And what I found was that over the months that followed, the problem didn't get smaller. But I was like that disciple in the middle of the night, literally thinking, God, don't you even care? And the peace that Jesus has is constant. So no matter the size of the waves, he doesn't see the need for fret or worry or anxiety. Nothing you throw at Jesus makes him anxious. So he can sleep regardless the size of the waves. But for me, my challenge was that it was my problem. And like The disciples, they're looking at Jesus, assuming that He is uncaring, not knowing that what was missing in their lives was not the fact that Jesus didn't care, but the fact that Jesus was simply waiting to be invited into the problem. So when they asked Him for help, they found it. And I want you to understand that when Jesus stood up on that boat and said to the wind and to the waves, peace, and everything became still, that that same Jesus is in our lives, regardless of whatever we are currently facing, no matter how difficult we might find this present day. We find a Prince of Peace whose reign is over peace, who is not removed from what I am facing, but is waiting for my request. And the moment I come to Him and say, Jesus, would You help me with what I am going through, that the same Jesus who stilled the waves can still my beating heart, that the same Jesus who brought strength and peace to troubled waters, can bring strength and peace to your life as well. Because He is the Prince of Peace. He will never leave us. We are never alone. He is with you. He cares for you. His every thought is to bring you peace. His reign is over peace. Because I truly believe that the Prince of Peace is in this room today. He's here. He cares. He cares. And maybe that's all you need to know. He's in that boat. And no matter what your anxious thought may be, no matter what the turmoil of your heart might be, I'm speaking to a mum this morning who's concerned for a child. You can have peace with God. I'm speaking to somebody whose business has literally just fallen apart. You can know the peace of God. It's going to be okay. I'm speaking to somebody who's got a medical. Prognosis that's come out this week, some situation in your life, maybe in the last month, and God just wants you to know that the Prince of Peace is with you. You care, oh God. Your reign is the reign of peace. And Lord, I speak over every life right now. Peace. Be still. Calm their beating hearts. Silence their accusations. Remove their fears. We thank you for perfect love that drives out all fear. Because you are the Prince of Peace. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Allen Cameron and at Arise Church.